and welcome to Just Plain Sense, the Equality and Diversity Podcast. Just Plain Sense has been hibernating for a little while, but today's guest was well worth dusting off the microphone to meet. Paris Lees appeared in a programme I made last year about the signing of a memorandum on trans people at Channel 4. Even then she was probably not all that well known outside of a small circle, having only moved to London the previous year. These days she is rapidly emerging as a rising star and recently won her own category of LGBT role model at the prestigious National Diversity Awards. She has quickly established herself as an art reviewer and commentator on issues of diversity. Her writing has appeared in The Guardian and The Independent, in Attitude magazine and in Pink News. She has got regular columns in Gay Times and Diva. She has appeared on Radio 1, BBC TV and acted as a consultant on several programmes about trans people. Most notably, she launched a unique magazine, Meta, earlier this year. The fourth edition is on its way. I caught up with Paris the morning after she'd won her category at the National Diversity Awards, and I asked her how she felt about all the attention now, and perhaps the scrutiny, as she's starting to become well known. Oh, any attention's good, isn't it, Christine? Um... I don't know really it's um I I think that I would never want to be um you know well known just for the sake of it so, you know I'd never really um decide to go on Big Brother or anything like that but the thing is I've got a message to say and it's it's good to get a platform and actually have people listen and I think it's quite a strong message and it's quite a simple one which is you know stop bullying people like me stop picking on trans people and um it's it's really wonderful to kind of get that message out there so yeah and obviously with the lgbt role model award you're being recognized for that work yeah i really wasn't expecting to win it like genuinely and that's not false modesty um and when they kind of uh read my name out i was like well i haven't prepared a speech or anything so god knows what i said um i've i've no idea but i'm i'm absolutely thrilled and it's yeah it's just it's so lovely to be recognized yeah can we go back to the to the beginning you you were born in nottingham in i guess the the 1980s i was yes um and uh Oh, I don't know where, 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 what. Well, I mean, I mean, obviously, your parents thought they got a son. Oh yes, I guess, I guess they did, didn't they? Um, I guess I was. Um, I think from the age of about four, I've always been me, you know. And I, I, I said, and it's again, it's so cliched, isn't it? It's that whole classic transsexual kind of thing. But you know, my earliest memory was, you know, well, well I'm a girl, you know. Um, and I was quite vocal about that as well. One of my earliest memories actually was being on a park bench and having my head in this girl's lap. And uh, I was about four and she was probably about 10 or something. And we were singing songs and stuff. And um, I just remember 
saying, you know, oh, I'm a girl, you know, and they were going, have you heard what he's saying? Have you heard what he's saying? And, and these older boys were going, oh, that's really naughty, you know. And I thought, oh, gosh, I've, I've said the wrong thing, you know. Um, and and just thinking, why, 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 why don't they believe me? Why is it, why is it such an issue? Um, but I've always kind of spoken um, the way that I speak and I've always... Um, you know, acted a certain way, and, and people used to mistake me for a girl, even though I had a shaved head um, at various points during my childhood. So, um, I think I've always been myself. So, well, being yourself, I mean, you've you've written about being sent to Borstal as a teenager. How did that come about? Oh, I did some bad things, didn't I? Um, yeah, I I was really. Uh, quite wild as a teenager very wild actually was, um, was that some sort of compensation do you think I don't know I think um I mean I, I really didn't get on well with my dad um and um I think my my mother and I were slightly distant during my teenage years because I became quite difficult because I was finding puberty, um, you know, especially hard. And, um, you know, I started taking lots of drugs and partying and and mixing with with really, really bad people, very bad crowd. And obviously I was very naive. um, And I, I kind of, I hung around with a guy who was a bit older than me. I think I was about 15 uh, six, I was about 15 at the time he was about 20 and I kind of fancied him and looked up to him and uh, he basically orchestrated um, a robbery and uh, it wasn't it wasn't planned um, I went round to his, his house one night and um, without going into too much detail he just basically said oh you know come on let's do this and I was like oh okay then and I didn't actually rob somebody myself, but I was involved and I could have stopped it from happening. So, you know, that was that was a really poor decision on 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 my side. And, um, you know, I quite rightly um, did the time for it. But it gave me a lot of time when I was in prison to to think about uh, what I wanted to do with myself. And I think I just remember thinking, you know, come on, Paris, you fucked up. You know, you're in prison you don't get here unless you've made some pretty poor choices and where I wanted to be you know I dropped out of college whilst we were waiting for it to go to court and everything and I wanted to be this non-smoking um college girl and I was this kind of you know um you know boy who'd just done everything wrong and it, it seemed almost insurmountable to get to where I wanted to be but I thought well you know what else am I going to do? You, you've managed it. I mean, what what advice do you have to youngsters in that same sort of position of having you know, got off the rails and wanting to get back on? Um, I just think it's it's so difficult. Like when you're in a low place and you're in a dark place, and you think that you'll never be right again. Um, and I know I, I don't know the statistics off the top of my head, but it was oft quoted when I was in prison. Uh, uh, you know, a huge rate of people who've been to prison will, will go back within the next three years. Um, and I thought, gosh, I just don't want to be one of those people. You don't have to be. You don't have to let that hold you back. And I did have a huge kind of insecurity for a number of years. And I actually was turned down for a job at, would you believe, at the job centre because of my criminal record. And that was just answering the phone 
phones or something and that really affected my self-esteem because I thought you know I'm not, I'm not even good enough to answer the phones at the job center and these are the people who are trying to help me find work so it is very difficult but I think you just have to persevere and I think that anything's possible and I'm always looking to people who inspire me and you know this is your life you know you're going to be dead one day and that that really goes through my head every morning I lay in bed and I think come on this is it you know this is not a dress rehearsal get up and make it happen so that's what I would say to anybody you know if I can do it and probably sounds really cheesy but anyone can. So was starting to become a journalist your way out of that? Not really. I guess um, I I transitioned and I went to university and then I entered a really dark phase, which was even worse than being in prison, actually, because, well, I pretty much was in a prison because I don't leave the house. Um, and I've spoken about that on so many occasions, but it, it was a big thing. And I just now I just think, God, you wasted like two and a half years of your life just being thoroughly miserable, you know. Um, but I think... I, I reached rock bottom and I thought I've, I've got to try and make things better for people like me it's either that or I'm going to kill myself and I don't say that lightly that was a real kind of low point for me and I I read things in the media and I saw jokes being made about people like me and I just thought I think the media is key and I love writing and I always wanted to be a journalist and a writer and I thought well that's, that's what I do and that's where I channel my activism and it's since I you know took that positive step and kind of owned my identity um everything's been just been going so wonderful for me and I'm so pleased that I decided to pursue that and and, and there are now quite a few trans journalists writing more and more in the mainstream and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of people like uh, Ros Caveney uh Juliet Jakes perhaps Jane Fay do you see yourself as a trans writer I mean, someone whose brand relies on that aspect of yourself or as a jobbing writer who just happens to have that as part of their background? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I think pretty much like 99% of any anything I've ever written has been about transgender issues. So I guess you could say that I've I've backed myself into a corner. But I was um, going to say, because you, you, your, your sort of entree was to, to write about the things closest to you. Um, do you but do you fear being typecast by that beginning? I do and I don't really because every journalist has a specialism whether you're a raw correspondent or a war correspondent and you know there aren't enough people writing well and intelligently about transgender issues so I'll probably keep trying to do my best um, and until we do see more and, and that's not to detract from the wonderful people that are out there because I think it's absolutely fantastic that there's people like Roz and... Um, Catherine O'Donnell and you know p- people who have had amazing success you know and, and Juliet's writing for the New Statesman now really prestigious titles and and that's absolutely fantastic um, but I'm really happy writing about this at the moment because I do care about it I'm very passionate about it and I kind of know what I'm I'm talking about but I think I would like to branch out one day and I think that some of the things that I've got in the pipeline they're about equality and diversity but they're not about trans per se and that's nice you know because I'm not just a trans person I've got a very strong identity as a trans person and a trans campaigner but you know I I like to think that I'm a good writer you know Mm -hmm. but I guess that's that's for the editor to decide well of course in one case you are the editor because you you launched a magazine this year tell us about that oh gosh um yeah oh it's just been such a whirlwind really because you know we're just kind of well we we were making it up on the spot when we started out we didn't know what to expect this is meta magazine meta magazine yes and um 
it's I'm I'm really excited about the fourth issue which is is coming out soon maybe around about the time of the podcast who knows um and it's our sex issue so it's been so much fun to write and we've we've got an absolutely sizzling hot star on the cover uh and uh it, I, I, I just think when I was in prison, we had a list of things that we could buy. We had a small allowance of money every week and we had magazines and they had all sorts of magazines. And at the bottom, there were two little boxes, one for gay times and one for attitude. And it sounds pathetic, but the fact that I had a box that I could tick and there was something that was produced for people like me, you know, something that was commercial and that you could buy that legitimized my identity I said no I am here this is my box I am part of this there is a magazine for me and that actually meant something to me when I was I was locked up and there isn't anything you know for trans women you could say well you know well we're women now so we could read women's magazines or trans men may want to read men's magazines but I feel there's people who do have a strong transgender identity and people who maybe don't identify as male or female and also Anybody who's been through what we've been through, when you read about gender in the mainstream press, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's basic at best, I tend to find. And, and I thought we needed something a little bit more savvy. And I like to think that's what Meta provides. And also something with a sense of humour, you know, because we wanted it to be aspirational and to show trans people who are doing things. Because I didn't see that when I was going through my dark days. And I want people to know that there's a whole culture. And yes, we can produce our own magazine. And we do have wonderful celebrities and stars and interesting people and fantastic writers. And we can do this and we can make this ourselves. And is there a big enough demographic for a magazine like that to survive? I mean, thinking that, you know, this very glossy photography videos layout you know surely that's all expensive even if you don't pay the writers so you know can you actually you know can it support itself and be sustainable um i think it's certainly challenging um i it's it's such a niche market you know and as you know print media is 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 on the way out now pretty much um but this is an online title isn't it which is why it's online yes um and i and i do think that's the way forward actually and i think there's always going to be a market for people who want you know people are always going to want to read something um and but yes it is tricky but we've got fans from all around the world actually and i think it's not just for transgender people it's for anybody who's interested in gender and I think actually everybody has a gender identity so I I'd like to see feminists reading this and genderqueer people and people doing uh, gender studies and I know that they do and uh, I don't know who knows but the fact that we've had so much success so far and it's it's such a young publication uh, makes me think that we might be on something. And you're also a project manager for Transmedia Watch. I mean, 18 months ago, was nearly no, it was 18 months ago, wasn't it? <laughs> I interviewed you about launching a memorandum of agreement with Channel 4. What was that all about? Uh, well, really, that was, um, you know, it's like a binding legal document, but it's, I think it's uh, an acknowledgement on their side that maybe they haven't been doing as well in this area as they uh, could or perhaps should have done, and that they'd like to make it better. And, um, and has that been a success? I mean, it's a good time to look at it now, sort of 18 months down the track. I, I don't know how you measure success, really. Um, I think 
it's difficult to say yes it's been a success because there's always going to be problematic things there's always going to be problematic things about gender or race but has it been a success in the fact that it's it's put trans on the agenda at channel four in a way that it never was yes i think it's been an unmitigated success and actually it provides me with a lot of leverage when i'm working with production companies to say you know this is something that you should be taking seriously and i think I do a lot of self-promotion online because I have to, you know, and, you know, it's it's not easy trying to make it as a journalist. But there's a lot of stuff that I do that people don't know about. And mm. if you knew the kind of the, the tears and the and the stress that I have sometimes with production companies, um, it's... And real, real work like this isn't glamorous, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> and and having that that memorandum, you know, just it, it gives me something to say. You know, come on, guys, this this you need to get this better. But but some people have said. I mean, dealing with the the media is a bit like dealing with a recovering alcoholic. They're always gonna gonna lapse. Yeah. So what would you say to the skeptics who think the media is always going to misrepresent or stitch up trans people? Um. I think I might be one of them. Um, I think that I, I get terribly frustrated, you know, and if if you saw the way some things are made and, and the way things are done and the processes behind it, you know, it's, it's very easy to be cynical and, and to have no hope. But at the end of the day, you know, that's, that's just the industry and that's how it works. And I'm probably guilty of, you know, um, doing certain things, you know, when I, I want to get my story or whatever. And everybody's under immense pressures. And... You know, I'm a pragmatist and I think, you know, it's about getting things done. And if we would say, you know, we're not going to, to talk to Channel 4 because they, you know, there was something on Friends the other night that we don't agree with and they, they won't ban it, we wouldn't be anywhere. And I, I do have hope. I'm very idealistic. And, you know, come on, they've got a black president in the United States, you know. Uh, you know, w- women couldn't vote, what was it, like 100 years ago or something, you know. Things can change. Things are changing, you know. We we just need to raise up and make them change. And I think that, you know, there is room for improvement in the media and I certainly wouldn't be doing what I was doing if I didn't think that it could happen. And I, I think, you know, in the next 10 years, we're getting there. We've reached a tipping point, Christine. Do you not think? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, all this stuff inevitably cast you as a potential well a, well an actual role model now because you've been a, a recognized as such how do you feel about that you know, that mantle well I feel terrible like because I've got so many vices I mean honestly if people <laughs> honestly this if people knew what I get up to in my spare time I, 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 I find the role model awards um yes doesn't sit entirely well with me but I like to think that maybe I've been uh, I've, I've won this because um I I'm enjoying life and I've I've not let this hold me down and I guess some of that comes with vices enjoying life. Okay. So. I mean and some some would look at you and say well well of course she can get ahead because of her looks. I mean do you worry about the emphasis placed on aspects such as passing? <sighs> it's difficult isn't it? Um yeah, it annoys me. It annoys me in the sense that, you know, I used to, say, go to house parties or something and people, you know, my friends would go, oh, everyone got on really well with you. They, they were really comfortable talking to you, you know. You weren't what they expected at all. And mm-hmm. it's like, mm, so, you know, actually, if I turned up and I, 
I was wearing a wig or, you know, I, I looked like a stereotypical like, transgender person. What like they Lily were Savage. Yes, yes, like Lily yes, Savage. Yes. Then they wouldn't have been all right with me. And, you know, what if, what, if I didn't, what if I didn't cut it that day? What if I was ill? What if I didn't do my makeup right? What if my hair, you know, what if there was something? And I don't, you know, I, 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 I probably could go off and live in stealth if I'd wanted mm. to. You know, I'm not saying that anybody's 100% passable all of the time, but touch wood, I don't generally get too many problems these days. Um, but that doesn't sit well with me, you know, because what if I get old? What if my hair drops out? You know, what, what, if, what if I go blind and I can't see to do my makeup? I don't want my right to feel comfortable and to walk down the street and to be respected and not sniggered at by people to be based upon how I look because that puts an incredible pressure on me to conform to a particular look. And it's wrong, you know. I should be able to walk, walk down the street and look like anything and not feel afraid. And it terrifies me that I may lose my passing privilege and it is a privilege um, and I want to make it better so that I, I don't even need that. And I, I do think it helps me. And and I think that's wrong. But I, I don't think that that means I shouldn't do anything because of it, you know. So so what about the future? Are we going to see more parasolies? Oh, God, I don't know. I feel like going into hibernation now. Um, <laughs> I, I suspect you probably will. Um, I, people always think, oh, you know, you're going to be doing this, you're going to be doing that. I don't want to be all over the place. I want to do quality little things um, which allow me to get my message across, um, you know. And uh, I think maybe a few little bits of television would be good, maybe some more radio and just writing. I love writing, so I think that's the future for me and just just keep it steady you know and have a bit of ballast beneath me and I'm, I'm very happy with the way things are going and I'm actually happier than I've ever been in my life and uh yeah I don't want to I don't want to rock the boat too much so we'll just keep going in this direction I think I'll be okay well I've been talking to journalist magazine editor and LGBT role model Paris Lees and if you'd like to find out more about her and Meta Magazine where can people go Paris? Uh, they, oh gosh, I can't remember the website. Is it metamag.co.uk or I think if you if you if you we just Google. We're, we're, I think you Google Metamag Transgender Magazine and you can find it. And if you've got a computer, you've got any kind of screen, then you can get it. So you don't need an iPad, you don't need an iPhone, although you can get them on those. Well, platforms. I did my research before this interview, so I can tell you that her own website, which has got links to everything else, is Last of the Clean Bohemians dot wordpress.com that last of the clean bohemians and i won't even go there while you chose that title <laughs> it's all one word and uh she's also on facebook as paris.lees.activist.journalist.optimist long title but probably sums you up doesn't it and that brings us to the end of this episode of just plain sense if you'd like to hear more then the place to go is our website podcast.plain-sense.co.uk Take a look at the subscription options there as well so you don't miss future shows. Join us again soon for another programme on a topic relating to equality and diversity. For now, though, it's goodbye and thank you for listening. Just Plain Sense is a Plain Sense Limited production. Mm-hmm.